Sinking like stones all that we fought for Homes, places we've grown all of us are done for What is up, Colts fans? No, seriously, what is going on? I'm hearing there's panic among the Colts community. Why? Listen, I had another plan for this week's pod, but I feel like I have to talk you off the ledge. That's why I opened up with Don't Panic by Coldplay. Unfortunately for you, it wasn't Coldplay. But that's my message for this episode. Don't panic. We're going to be okay, okay? Here's what we're going to do. I want to issue a couple of goodbyes. I'm going to welcome some new cult signees, then I'm going to give you three reasons why you should not panic. Here we go. Stay with me, okay? I do want to offer a couple of heartfelt goodbyes, but I promise this won't be as cheerful or as awkward as the Andrew episode. Just as many of us assume, two beloved cults were not resigned and have now resigned contracts elsewhere, Anthony Walker and Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby's Colts career has already been narrated and scrutinized on every platform, including this very podcast, so I won't bother with the redundancy, but I do want to mention what a great human he is and how fortunate we were to have him around for four seasons. When the Colts brought Jacoby over in a trade for Philip Dorsett just before the doorbell rang on the 2017 season, I immediately had a sick feeling. Not about the young Patriots quarterback, but because the trade sent a disturbing message. Colts fandom was waiting for any word about Andrew Luck's return, and in the waiting we stared in the face of Scott Tolzien and wondered if he could be a proper placeholder. Well, the Brissett trade answered both of those questions with poison. Although no word was announced on Luck, the trade made clear that he would not be returning soon, and whatever fears felt about poor Tolzien were confirmed. He wasn't it. I recently heard Dan Orlovsky utter a quote I hope to remember for a long time. I love Dan Orlovsky. I will always remember him for the second stupidest play I've ever seen, when he ran out of his own end zone accidentally causing a safety. The number one stupidest play I've ever seen was the Mark Sanchez butt fumble. Although now that I think of it, the Colts' fake punt against the Patriots should maybe be in the top three somewhere. Anyway, Orlovsky totally owned that play, and his social media profile makes note of it, claiming that the end zone should be 11 yards. I love that. Orlovsky has heightened his talents post-career and is now a well-respected NFL analyst. Recently, he was asked about his NFL career, and he said he was one of the top 60 on planet Earth for a period of time, and I get that. Orlovsky didn't have a brilliant career, but he's right. He played for a decade or so, and even though he wasn't a starter, he was a solid backup, one of the top 60 to do it for a period of time. He made a career out of that. I respect that, and I mean no disrespect to Scott Tolzien, who was a decent backup, but the trade for Jacoby should have told all of Colts fandom that Scotty wasn't going to cut it as a starter. And in the first game against the Rams, it was evident. Jacoby took it all in stride, though, and as I stated in a previous article, maybe his greatest moment as a Colt came last season as he led the charge against racism. However, an image that will stick with me long after he has turned in his playbook 
has little to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. It was Jacoby, wearing a black and red cape, walking the stage and holding hands with a young cancer patient, costumed in a purple dress and hat. It was the Halloween fashion show of October 2019. The young girl waved to the crowd while Jacoby wore the long cape and beamed with pride, that infectious smile glowing. Jacoby held his own on the field, but it's a credit to him that he will be remembered in Indy more for what he did before and after games. He'll be a good fit in Miami. The signing makes me wonder, though, if he still believes he is a starter. Is he hoping to overtake Tua, or perhaps expecting another injury for the young quarterback? Or is he merely going to offer a veteran presence? No matter what, I wish him well. Jacoby Brissett is a good human. I'm thankful for his time in blue, and I have nothing but great things to say about him. With Anthony Walker, the writing was etched into the wall before the 2020 season commenced. Walker was the Miyagi to Darius Leonard's crane kick. His purpose in Indy has been served and it was time for him to move on. Anthony Walker is an exceptionally good linebacker, a great defensive leader and on-field brilliant mind, and yet he was a subject of perfect draft picks. Chris Ballard has mostly whiffed at drafting edge defenders and wide receivers, but he has drafted a haul of linebackers. After Walker was selected in the fifth round of the 2017 draft, the Colts selected Darius Leonard in the second round in 2018 and Bobby Okereke in the third round in 2019. Walker's contract expired. Given his talent, leadership, and production, he was due starter money, but there was no place to put him. He entered the free market and the Browns signed him to a one-year deal. Walker needed his own team. Oddly, his contract just secures him for one year in Cleveland, but I believe the short-term deal was just a consequence of the shrinking cap. The NFL salary cap was introduced in 1994 and has increased every single year, but in 2021, the cap drops from $198.2 million in 2020 to $182.5 million this year. Any other year, Walker would be signing a multi-year deal, and I wonder if he's extended sometime in 2021 when financials seem more solid. After Walker's contract was announced, several Colts offered kind goodbyes, especially Darius Leonard, who posted a thoughtful video. These weren't bitter words tossed. All goodbyes were grounded with the foreknowledge that Walker was likely gone. They all knew what Ballard alluded to on several occasions. A walk would be moving on and still his presence will continue to resonate throughout the defense, for he was more like a coach's voice in Leonard's ear. Walker was a good one and the Colts were lucky to have him. I'm not forgetting about Salty Autry. I'm well aware that Danico Autry signed with the Titans and made public his feelings toward Colts management. We'll address this more later, but clearly I valued the defensive lineman. He was in my must-haves when categorizing Colts free agents. Autry was a brilliant signing from the Raiders in 2018. He was versatile and consistent. The Colts will miss that, I think. We've said our goodbyes, now we need to say hello to a few Colts. Marlon Mack returns on a one-year deal, and I can't help but think that Chris Ballard must have listened to the podcast, Episode 3, the case for Marlon Mack and determined that we couldn't live without him. In all seriousness, I'm thankful for this move. The Colts would have been okay without him, I think, 
There were maybe a couple players on the market who could offer similar skills, but no player could aptly fill his shoes. Mack has been here, knows the system, and more importantly has a rapport with the offensive line. As I explained in episode 3, plenty of players could come in for a couple of snaps and be fine, but for this team to be a contender, the Colts had to sign a number 2 running back who could start 13 games if needed. That's Marlon Mack, and I'm excited he's back in blue. Another member to be introduced to the Colts, finally, was Carson Wentz. Since being traded, the controversial quarterback made his first appearance to Colts media dressed in a memorable blue jacket and wearing a smile that said he was glad to be gone from Philly and equally glad to have a new start in Indy. The next day, Wentz visited Pat McAfee's show and held his own. With that same smile, he prodded the former punter and poked him for doubts spoken about the trade. McAfee softened and later admitted he appreciated the duel. Carson Wentz is making himself at home in Indy, and so far it seems like a nice fit. News broke Wednesday that T.Y. Hilton would be resigning with the Colts. It's a one-year deal for up to $10 million. The announcement was celebrated by Colts fans and former players across social media platforms. During the 2020 season, I believe Hilton said his next contract would be his last. I'm not sure how much to read into the one-year deal, but Hilton is back. And that's great news for the Colts. We've said a couple goodbyes and welcomed Wentz and re-welcomed Mack and Hilton. Now we have to address this panic. One fan recently asked on social media if this Colts defense is currently the worst in the division right now, in March. What are we doing? (laughs) I understand that fan is short for fanatic and you have every right to feel every kind of way. I get it, and I kind of love it, but let's pump the brakes, people. You know when you meet a new girl and you've been hanging out for a couple of weeks, it's really fun and light and exciting. Then she wants to have the define the relationship talk, and suddenly you want to run and hide behind anything in sight. Thankfully, I'm now married somehow, and I don't ever have to have these conversations anymore. But whenever I was forced into them, I would just weasel around, say as few words as possible, nod my head in agreement to whatever she said, fade into a blurry trance, and hope it was all over soon. I feel like you all are panicking right now and trying to define the current state of the Colts, even though the first game is more than five months away. There's no need to panic, and there's no need to define the relationship two weeks in. I know this is serious, and I know you think we're missing on some great players in free agency, but I'm going to give you three reasons why we need to slow the panic. The first reason not to panic is Taekwon Lewis, and possibly Kamoka Ture. Okay, maybe you're ready to click off the pod right now, but hear me out. Colts fans are losing their collective minds because Danico Autry wasn't re-signed, and I get it. I thought he should have been a high priority when free agency started, but think about it this way. Would anyone be shocked if in three years Taekwon Lewis has had a similar or perhaps better career than Danico Autry? The answer should be no. I think Taekwon Lewis is the new Autry. It's very possible that what the Colts saw in Autry while he was a Raider, they now see in Taekwon Lewis. When Autry was signed from the Raiders, I have to admit, I'd never heard of him. Autry has been good for the Colts, there's no denying that. But let's look at his Raiders years. 
He started a total of 18 games in four years for a bad Raiders defense. You could argue that when the Colts signed Autry for $17 million in 2018, a player who had never made a Pro Bowl or even recorded more than eight starts or five sacks in a single season, that they overpaid for him. I really like Autry and wanted him back, but I don't understand the panic in not resigning him. Let's look closer at the comparison between Autry and Lewis. Lewis was a second round pick in 2018 while Autry was undrafted in 2014. Autry is a bit bigger at 6'5", that's two inches taller than Lewis, and he's heavier too. But Lewis is quicker. Autry ran a 5'12'40", while Lewis clocked in at 4'69". They're both versatile players who can play inside or edge. Autry has been consistently productive, but Lewis has been better than you might think. In their first three seasons, Lewis had more sacks and QB hits, but fewer solo tackles. Over their careers, Lewis has averaged more tackles and sacks per game started. Most notably, Autry will be 31 when the season starts, while Lewis will be 26. A three-year deal for Autry, who has maybe topped out, might have been riskier than I originally thought. Again, this is not an anti-Danico Autry article, but I don't understand the outrage for letting him walk. It's not as if the Colts just cut Robert Mathis in his prime. Autry is a good player. But you should know by now that the Colts don't scratch bad contracts, not under Chris Ballard. Another expectation along the defensive line is that Kamoka Toure finally emerges as a dependable pass rusher. At this point, maybe the Colts are just betting on their own. It's true, Toure made one of the most boneheaded mistakes of 2020 when he jumped off sides on a fourth down play against the Bills in the playoff game. He's also not been healthy for long stretches of his career, but when he's played, he's been good. Ture recorded four sacks in his rookie season. Before his severe ankle injury in 2019, he was scored 91.3 by Pro Football Focus. Ture only played four games that season, and I'm not sure what kind of math they're doing at PFF, but that's elite level scoring. I'm doubtful Ture can fill Justin Houston's shoes, but neither Houston nor Autry were ever meant to be long-time answers. They were placeholders, holding the gap until draft picks developed. Maybe this is the year that Taekwon Lewis and Kamoka Ture earn their second round draft capital. The second reason not to panic is because the roads in Indy are once again closed. After Philip Rivers and Anthony Costanza retired, there were four significant positions to be addressed this offseason. Quarterback, left tackle, edge, and cornerback. Some might add wide receiver to the list, and that's fine, but I would rank it below the four just mentioned. Depth was and still is needed on both sides of the ball, but these four spots were extreme necessities. First, the Colts traded for Carson Wentz. Whether you're on board with the Wentz deal doesn't matter so much. The fact is, there weren't many options for the Colts sitting at pick number 21 in the upcoming NFL draft. Moving up to draft a rookie quarterback would devastate coveted draft capital. The Wentz deal works and could pay extravagant dividends if he has anything left from 2017. After the Wentz deal, the Colts signed sure starters left tackle Sam Tevy and defensive end Isaac Rochelle. <laughs> that was a joke. I have no idea who these guys are, and I'm not completely sure they make the roster. 
No, the Colts resigned Marlon Mack, who does not meet an extreme need, but is a secondary necessity. Definitely an important signing. And bringing back Hilton checks off the wide receiver box. The most important free agent signing has been Xavier Rhodes. In episode 4, I noted aside from addressing quarterback, re-signing Rhodes was the most important move for the Colts this offseason. Going into April's draft with Rock Yassin as the number one cornerback, along with a host of needs, seemed not only unwise, but borderline terrifying. Justin Houston and Danico Autry were fine Colts, but their losses won't pound as deeply as losing Rhodes would have. And now that Rhodes is back, two out of the three corners are chiseled out. Kenny Moore is one of the best slot corners in the league. Xavier Rhodes expectantly continues his exceptional play from 2020, leaving the Colts to just figure out the opposite outside corner position. With Marvell Tell returning and Rock Yassin hopefully learning from his pelts, the Colts are now in a much better situation to address the position. Just like Mack and Hilton, it's only a one-year deal for Rhodes. Maybe they all dart in 2022 when the cap springs back, but it's a problem deferred for the Colts. And if you're keeping score at home out of the four great needs mentioned, the Colts promptly address two of them, with wide receiver and running back also firmly addressed. Maybe they didn't write blank checks to the guys you wanted. Let's be honest, J.J. Watt was never a consideration. If you've watched two snaps of the Colts in the past five years, you knew that wasn't going to happen. I doubt the team even inquired about Trent Williams, Kenny Galladay, or Hunter Henry. They certainly didn't make headlines during the first wave of free agency, but the Colts solemnly addressed more than half of its needs. And while Twitter GMs melted, the team stayed steady. So let me repeat that. March isn't over, and the Colts have addressed half of its most important roster needs. Let's all take a deep breath. The third reason to breathe and not panic is that there is a plan. I don't know what the plan is and neither do you. Maybe we wouldn't like the plan if we knew it, but I know there is one and that gives me a little bit of peace. Building a roster for an NFL team is too often compared to building a house, brick by brick from bottom to top. But I don't like that analogy because a house is built to last 100 years, but an NFL roster is consistently overturning. An NFL team is much more like a relationship or friendship that has roots. It needs constant attention. Sometimes you tear up the roots and replant. You start over. Some give up and run when the weight of it falls too heavy. But the good ones, the ones that last, are beautiful results from constant nurturing. It's a kind and soft labor that produces joy enough to withstand the hits and come through on the other side to bask in something lighter because those days fall in between somewhere. A good roster is made this way, not by a fell swoop, but by small, smart, and stackable decisions. There is a plan, and maybe the plan is adjusted and revised, penciled and erased, then inked, but the plan holds true, and when those following the plan do not waver, the result proves worth it. It sure would be nice if making a grand purchase could make up for unkind words or lies told, but we know it doesn't work that way with the ones who really mean something. Likewise, an epic free agent signing would have written some nice headlines, 
but it would have been a departure from the design that has given this organization roots. The second wave of free agency is now in motion and has returned T.Y. and Marlon Mack. With so many franchises short on cash in the midst of wealthy talent, this wave and the next could be the ones that set Indy apart. The Wentz deal smartly left the Colts with its top two picks in the upcoming NFL Draft, and I fully expect Chris Ballard to trade back one pick to add another, stacking those opportunities to nurture this roster and grow it upright. Don't panic, Colts fans. Our team is in excellent shape. There is a plan, and smart choices to this point have positioned the team to capitalize on those thoughtful decisions. The roots are watered and firm. Great moves are around the corner. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benjamin Taylor. Thanks for listening. Beautiful world.